Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skylar. I'm Wyatt. And today we are joined by Jacob Sanderson, who you can find on Twitter at Jacob Sanderson. He's part of the Full Tilt Fantasy Football Podcast. And he also just came out with a van, brand new Substack, Thinking About Thinking. And tonight we're going to be talking about some dusty old veteran running backs who could be on the move, at least rumored to be so. But before we do that, let's roll the intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I like I'm I'm in for death taxes and the 2022 water sea request. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No, no player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really. I had not. I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods, and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Jacob, it's a pleasure to have you joining us. How's it going? Happy to be here, man. This is fun. Fun time. Play Dynasty. We're like in the midst of dynasty season which i think is officially between the combine and the nfl draft after that uh after that it becomes i don't know if it's best ball season if it's when it becomes redraft season but whatever it is we're in dynasty season now so fun to be on here for sure yeah dynasty season season is definitely thriving uh but as i mentioned we're gonna be talking about some some unsexy running backs tonight but before we do that we always try to give our guest a little surprise question are you ready for yours yeah let's do it okay you are a Colts fan who then started following the Tennessee Volunteers because of Peyton yeah. Manning. Is that correct? <laughs> that is correct. Basically, just if you're in Canada, I mean, Canadian college football is um, pretty lame. So uh, <laughs> I was like, I love football, obviously. So I have to find a way to manufacture a rooting interest in U.S. college. So that's how I did it. Yeah. So my question is just pretty simple. What do you want to see first, a, a Colts Super Bowl or a Volunteers <laughs> National Championship? Oh, man. I saw a Colts Super Bowl. So... Uh, that was that was dope. I would say I've become a way worse Colts fan since getting way more into fantasy. Like at a certain point, yeah. like as once a Browns fan, I understand. Enough, right. Like once you've once you've had the experience of actively rooting for AJ Brown touchdowns against your team enough times, you like start to slowly dissociate and become a little bit more well adjusted. So I'm gonna go with the Vols because I mean, when they won, I was like one year old, and I obviously did not follow the or be like conscious that the team even existed. So yeah. uh, I would go with that one for sure. But honestly, like compared to how most of following the Vols has been in my life, like this last year felt like a national championship. Like it was, <laughs> it was incredible. Just to like, like I used to when I grew up, like it used to be like, oh fun, like this is the one game a year that they get trotted out on CBS. Like I'll PVR it, and then they do lose like fifty nine to three to like whatever powerhouse they're playing, usually Alabama right. or Florida. And like just the sheer notion that they had like enjoyable games um, that were nationally discussed was was honestly like a national championship for me. It's crazy what can be enjoyable when the bar gets so low for your favorite team. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk some running backs. We're starting off with Joe Mixon, who Dynasty League uh, Football right. March startup ADP was RB20. He will be 27 for the 2023 season. He was RB8 for 2022 and half PPR points per game with 15 points per game, had the most targets and the highest target share of his career last year, which was a bit of a surprise. It was the one thing we had been waiting for for Mixon all this time was to really get those targets. We knew he could do it. It just wasn't happening. He's got a 2.75 dead cap hit if he's released after June 1st. There were some rumors going around early in the offseason that it's possible he could be getting released from the Bengals after there was some... He had his name in the news a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, but... Things have really silenced since then, and it seems like he's at this point probably still just going to be there. Uh, there's no hasn't been any news about him going anywhere since then. 
How are we feeling about Mixon right now, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, Joe Mixon is, I would say at this point, he might actually even be underrated, which is is rare. I think he's been an overrated rusher for most of his career. I, I think he's just a perfectly league average runner. And I don't really know when or exactly how it happened. Um, but I feel like for a lot of his career, it was like, oh, this guy is, you know, he's just so good, but he can't stay healthy. And then he did. And then it was like, oh, this guy's like a stud. And it was like, no, he's just getting a bunch of volume. Like he's just a, he's kind of just a dude. Um, but that was fine for fantasy because he was getting a bunch of volume. And then I don't know, somehow like now people were like, oh, he's bad. And he's like in decline, but I don't think he's actually in decline. I think he's just more or less than what he always is. His, you look through his PFF um, data, if you look at his rush yards over expected and percentages, like he kind of just oscillates around the league average at the position for most of his career. Um, and I think ultimately his value moving forward is just dependent on what they want to do with him. For most of the last couple of years, he was like somewhere between a early down grinder and a workhorse where he was usually losing out on the strictly situational passing snaps, the third downs, the two minute drills and stuff, but he was getting pretty much everything else. And so he was getting a ton of rushing. He's getting a ton of goal line opportunities and you'd be able to soak up enough targets to at least be a low end RB one. And then when he went out this year with an injury and Pirine really performed well in his absence, it became more of a true committee down the stretch. Of course, Pirine's a Denver Bronco now. And so, you know, there's actually a weird little light at the end of the tunnel where if somehow something breaks really right for Mixon, like maybe actually goes back to the role that he had in previous years. Um, and I think that's maybe getting underrated by the market. I certainly don't want to go hog wild though. Cause I also think that, that he's like clearly not worth his contract to get effectively replacement level play. And like at any time the Bengals could just pull the rug out, release him and draft somebody way cheaper in the draft and probably get similar production. So he's, he's a bit sketchy right now. I'm glad you mentioned Pirine because I think that part of it is really interesting that there there is that possibility that the backfield is basically his. We'll see what happens in the draft, but it is possible at this point that at least it looks better than it was when Pirine was on the roster. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, yeah. Skyler, oh, uh, Jacob, you want to come back in there? Yeah, well, sure. I'll, I'll just say like I, this is maybe a common theme for all the dusty guys we're going to talk about today. But like if you're like if you're trying to figure out like okay wh- what kind of things that I want to offer to be willing to take the gamble on a guy like a Mixon. like probably my favorite archetype of running back to do that on would be some of these younger guys who we haven't actually seen be able to demonstrate three down capabilities or even confirm two down capabilities so far and who are probably equally precarious to being able to get a rookie coming in and eating their lunch but where we don't actually have the proof of concept of their upside and running back such a year-to-year position that like I think if I could move some of these Rashad White, Isaiah Pacheco, Tyler Algier, some of this contingent of guys, transition that bet into Mixon, you know, somebody else might see it and say, oh, these guys are equally sketchy this year and I'm getting the younger guy. So I'll take that. To me, it's like it's a year to year proposition with all of these guys. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably prefer to have the older guy who has at least already shown this proof of concept of being able to provide meaningful fantasy production. That's probably my favorite way to get into him because I think you have to bake in the risk that you're, it's entirely possible that by May, this guy's like a a backup or he's like in, I don't know where he's going to sign range or he's in whatever range. Right. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. You're kind of buying like the least more projectable fantasy points when you're buying into Mm -hmm. mixing like that compared to that, that tier of players. Skyler, what do we think? Yeah. Joe Moore, Joe Mixon. I mean, it's boring. It's not exciting. And I think that's where it's 
probably gone too far to where it's potentially a buy. It's not like I'm running to go get Joe Mixon, right? But you you painted the picture. I mean, P Ryan is is gone. They would need to spend draft capital or bring in another back free agency's come past. Sure, he could be cut, and certainly that's something I think they'd consider more or less next year. Their picks, and we're talking 28 and pick 60, I think pick 60 may be a spot that could be primed for a running back selection. I, they're not going to spend first-round draft cap on a running back. This is a team with championship aspirations, post-free agency. It makes most sense for me to just expect that they're going to roll through next season with Joe Mixon. And if it's as things are now, he's maybe splitting with a rookie. They take a pick 60 or a day three guy if they take a flyer. And the volume is probably going to be pretty good. When you're a championship team, you rarely see these these teams go and lean on a rookie or you know an, a less experienced player. Where Joe Mixon isn't exciting, I, I think it's still probably the best situation you could expect for him, right? And maybe you'll comp it similar to uh, like a Leonard Fournette a couple of years ago where there were rumblings that he was going to be cut mm-hmm. from his team. Certainly that wasn't a winning team. A Super Bowl aspiration seemed like the Bengals certainly are now, but it was one where he had, you know, where people thought his efficiency was going down, his age was coming up, he cost too much money, he got cut. He still had some productivity somewhere else thereafter yeah. because of what he's done historically and the confidence a team can put in him. So I think even if Joe Mixon got cut, I think he's going to have some value somewhere else and where managers are just going to completely write him off if that's the case. So I think investing in Joe Mixon now, it's really, it's low risk. You could end up with an RB1. It's not going to be sexy. It's going to be there through volume like the last two seasons and early in his career where he's just falling into RB1 finishes like a young Gibson did or some of Jacob's seasons where it's like, it's not flashy, but he falls there, right? He's not the most talented back, but I think he's in a good situation to just give you set and forget RB2 production, good volume, and you don't have to worry about it too much. So that's kind of where I with Joe Mixon. You're looking to acquire. I'd put out feelers. I don't have a problem with it. If there's these wide receivers that have switched teams like Juju Smith-Susser, Jacoby Myers, um, I'm, I'm sure I'm drawing a blank, someone else in that kind of territory, Brandon Cooks, I'd rather have Joe Mixon over all of those guys. If, you know, a mid-second, somebody's, just wants out. I'm cool picking up Joe Mixon kind of in that territory. I think he still offers some value for your team. Not that I'm actively looking to acquire running backs in March anyway, but you know, conceptually speaking, I'm I'm fine with Joe Mixon at cost. I mean, this guy going around 10. If somebody's really excited about Darren Waller, you don't need Darren Waller. Like it's a fine, it's a fine pivot for me. Jacob, so let's say they do use that second round pick on a running back. Yeah. Is it any running back they select at in the second round or realistic running back in the second round, would that hurt Mixon's value? Or is there any earning back they could take that you're like, yeah, that doesn't really bother me much here. I'm staying the course with Mixon. I mean, anyone they take in the second round definitely hurts Mixon. Um, I think what you probably look at as a median outcome, I, I would even say general, I, I can't imagine that they're not going to draft a running back because they don't yeah. have a second running back right now. Like it's Chris Evans who they've never trusted remotely. Yeah on the roster Travion Williams who they've never trusted remotely is on the roster so it's Joe Mixon and nothing so I, I I would say median outcome is they spend legitimate capital on running back either in the late second or the late third and then you know I think we might see a similar situation to like Javante's rookie season or to Rashad White's rookie season last year where you kind of have um more or less a timeshare that starts to tilt closer to 50 50 over the course of the season uh, and you know that would probably make Mixon not super valuable uh, because he's never been a guy who's producing a lot more than the volume that he's given. 
But at the very least, you still retain a guy who's probably a back-end RB2, maybe a little better than that to start the year before the rookie works in. And you'd always still have that contingent upside both ways, where if one of them um, happens to get hurt for any stretch of time, the other one walks into all the touches. Um, I, I think that that's probably like the most likely scenario for Mixon with the upside that they just decide, yeah, we're just going to draft a satellite back in round five and we'll roll with Mixon entirely. And then when we cut Mixon next year, we'll deal with that next year. And as yeah. gross as that was for Fournette last year, RB12 finish, like as, yeah. as disgusting as it was, right? So you still get that short-term production. With running backs, a lot of times we're taking it year by year. Your entry cost is low. It's not like we're telling you to go out, you're spending a first for Mixon. You're taking him in round five. Like he's falling to round eight through 12 of Superflex startup drafts. You know, he's going for, as we said, the early second range. People are taking Tower year over him. Like this is what we're talking about for Joe Mixon. The entry cost is pretty low. Yeah. All right, moving on to Dusty running back number two of the day. Dalvin Cook, who Dynasty League Football March startup ADP was RB23. He'll be 28 for the 2023 season. RB13 for 2022 and a half PPR points per game with 12.8, his lowest points per game since 2018 to go along with his lowest target share uh, of his career in 2022. He has a 5.1 million dead cap hit after June 1st. There's been talk of them try possibly trying to rework his contract. Uh, if not, will he get released? He went and had a shoulder surgery rec uh, recently, which um, he was saying, you know, he's been basically playing to protect it, and now it's supposed to be all healthy. There's also a rumor that he basically guaranteed himself an extra $2 million by having the surgery when he did. They couldn't release him because or do anything with it because of, because of the surgery. Um, Skyler, do we have any interest in Delvin Cook? Um, yeah, it's a yes and no. You can go back if you're watching this on the clips, watch our Joe Mixon clip and our opinions kind of him because I'm going to recycle a lot of it. I think Dalvin Cook is a better player than Joe Mixon. But the, the verbiage around the shoulder surgery, the torn labrum, man, him being 100% better than ever, it just so happened to happen at a time where he couldn't get cut. It does read like they would field offers if they got some. They're certainly open to the idea of moving on from Dalvin Cook. They brought Alexander Madison back, who's a player they really like. Inconsequential money. I mean, two years, seven million, most of it guaranteed. It's a player I think they like having around, whether it's part of a potential committee post-Dalvin, if he were to move on after the season, or as a pure handcuff type back. They like having that guy around. You know, the coaching staff has spoken very highly of Madison throughout the year. It's not that he affects Dalvin's short-term outlook if Dalvin were to stay, but... Just looking at it, I mean, he had a career low yards per attempt. He was below his average yards per rush, uh, sorry, yards per reception. But he still finishes an RB1. The volume was still pretty solid. He played 17 games for the first time in what feels like ever. I mean, Dalvin Cook just kind of is what he is. This is a player where I feel no matter where he lands, as long as he's out there playing football through volume, he should finish for you as a fringe RB1 on a weekly basis. It's not as exciting. The ceiling isn't what it once was, but of course he's turning 28. So with Dalvin Cook, he's, I mean, he was a sell two years ago when you could get out for two firsts. I mean, if somebody's going to give you a future first for Dalvin Cook, I'm definitely listening. But if we have him on our team, I'm not desperate to get rid of him. I mean, he's going to he's gonna play a role for me. He's going to fill an RB2 or a flex spot. Um, if there's a way to get younger, you can move on to a younger back. We can talk around Rashad White and some pick on top. Sure, I'll re-roll, but otherwise I'm probably holding, right? And if you are looking to acquire Dalvin at this point, even though we don't recommend going out and getting running backs in, April or March, um, again, Darren Waller, it's a player. If he's excess on your team, you can make that pivot. I'm fine with it. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, um, 
these types of wide receivers, Jacoby Myers, it just also moved to free agency. I'm fine taking, you know, Dalvin Cook over those players, certainly. Dalvin Cook's been falling around 8-9 of Superflex Starter Jazz. I think that's a completely fine entry point for these teams that took your two quarterbacks, five or six wide receivers in the rounds before him, and you need a running back. Dalvin Cook's going to fill that role for probably one to two seasons. Yeah, Dalvin Cook isn't a player that I want to actually trade for, but I think there are startup strategies where I'm good with it. Like uh, Jacob and I were actually in a startup earlier this offseason where I drafted Dalvin Cook because my team was leaning towards the dusty side of things. I was starting to go towards a win-now mode, and it was a draft where these types of running backs were all falling, so I just kind of ended up taking a few of them late um, and just saying, okay, I'm going to try and win year one. Um, in that case, I think it's okay. But like trading is not something that I'm really interested in doing for Delvin Cook personally. Uh, Jacob, what do we think? Yeah, I think that in a vacuum, normally this would be the kind of running back I'd be talking about kind of the same way as Joe Mixon, which is like, yeah, it's kind of gross, but here's why it's probably a good buy. I, I just think that there are so many options that are kind of similar to Delvin Cook at a similar price range, like the guy that we just mentioned to Joe Mixon like Alvin Kamara, and then like the guy we're going to talk about in a second, the Dalvin Cook stands out to me as the worst of the options for a couple of reasons. Um, he, unlike Mixon, I think has shown a sharp decline. Also, unlike Mixon, Dalvin Cook was once one of the best running backs in the NFL, quite legitimately, not just from a fantasy perspective, but from a qualitative play-to-play perspective. Uh, in terms of rush yards over expected, he used to grade out as one of the better running backs in the league in terms of what he was creating. He fell into one of the worst this past year after a steady decline through 2021. And that was both in terms of the percentage of rushes that he's being successful on and in terms of the net effect of his rushing production. When I watched him on film, I, I thought that he looked substantially less elusive this year. I, I think that he's lost a lot of juice and he's lost a lot of the short area quickness and burst that made him so special. And I think that we're seeing a running back in, in fairly rapid deterioration of his skills. That being said, like any running back, if you give somebody enough volume, they're going to be able to provide usable fantasy production for you. I just would really, I think with Mixon, it's easier to see, you know, them saying, okay, this guy's still league average and he's reliable and he's in our system. I think Dalvin is, is borderline below replacement level as a starting running back at this point. And that's what we just saw most recently. I would expect he's probably going to be worse in the upcoming season than what we've already seen when we start seeing running backs decline to this level. So I have concerns about whether or not he's going to remain on the Vikings. And, and I do have some concerns about how much work he'll be able to command going into what I think would be clearly his last year on the team where they're no longer going to be indebted to him. So I, I see more signs of like the Zekeification of Dalvin cook, if you will, than I have with some of the other guys. So personally, I think investing in Dalvin is fine. Like we've seen guys like a James Conner and Leonard Fournette, who I would say are like quite dust over the last year, be able to provide totally viable fantasy production and Dalvin could as well. I just think you have a guy in Nixon who I think is, is less far along on the path of decline than cook, who is usually cheaper, who I'd rather target. And then Kamara is much cheaper because people are generally very concerned about the legal issues, but like, I'm not super concerned about the first six weeks of the season. It, maybe it's more than that. It's possible it's more than that. It's also possible it's less than that. But at least with Kamara, I think he's less reliant on being a good rusher because you have the pass catching upside versus Cook. Like he really needs to be a good rusher to provide value. And the other guy I'd look at is Aaron Jones, who also tends to be cheaper, who still is grading out as one of the most effective running backs in the league. And with veterans really at wide receiver and running back, like 
age isn't really a gradual decline. Like age tends to be, you are good, you are good, you are good, you are good, you are dust. Like that just tends to be what we see out of a lot of these backs. And so to me, like, I just kind of trust that they're going to be what they are in the most likely scenario until it looks like that they've declined heavily. And then I expect them to continue to. So I have more faith that some of these other guys have one, two more years left of high quality play than I do with Dalvin Cook. Um, and there's so many other bets out there that are similar because all of the best running backs in the NFL for years are from the same 2017 draft class that I wound up being out on Cook, even though I think in a vacuum, I'm generally fine with these types of bets. I think, I think you should trademark a uh, Zika vacation um, for sure. But yeah. uh, I think I, part of this, part of the fear for Cook for me is that Kevin O'Connell's offense obviously didn't feature him in the passing game as much. And the no. acquisition of TJ Hawkinson mid-year, I think, hurts him in that regard as well because they don't need to worry about dump-offs and things like that when you have TJ Hawkinson catching those passes over the middle that are normally just wide open for him because you got JJ taking all the coverage. Um, so, yeah, it's it's – it's a tough bet, I think, to make it. As I said, like in the startup at a certain price in a win now draft, you're doing like, yeah, I, I'm into it. But it, it's a tough investment to make, I think. All right. Last player of the day, Derrick Henry, Dynasty League Football, Big March dog. Startup ADP. <laughs> yes. RB17 will be 29 going into the 23 season. RB3 in half PPR points per game with 17.9 for 2022, though that was his lowest since 2018 but he had his highest target share of his career with 11.2 percent he had never been above 7.8 percent previously but has been rumored to be on the trade block uh jacob you mentioned that this might be the one that you're interested in the most and i think i agree with you there tell me about why that is i'm really interested in in acquiring the large uh the large dog on my teams this year uh like he actually unlike the other two has more recently provided like truly elite, truly meaningful fantasy production. He's actually seen more work in the past game over the last couple of years than he did previously. You're never getting a lot in the past game, but even just a little bit is really what we need to get into that elite range. And he's been in some period of decline, but I mean, he was the best or arguably the best running back in the NFL for a long period of years. So he has some room to get worse and still be pretty damn good. I don't think he's quite as explosive as he used to be. It takes him a little longer to get up to steam, but he's still a tackle-breaking machine. He still produces yards after contact with the best of the best in the league, and he can still provide above-average play on just epically obscene volume, which is a massive skill in and of itself. So I like Derrick Henry. I think that his price is depressed right now because there's the fear of, you know, what what's what are the Titans going to do? But I, I think... I don't think that the Titans would ever just outright release Derrick Henry. I, I don't see that as being possible. I, I think that would just be so bad for business, quite frankly, in terms of how much of an identity piece he's been for their team. I think their only would move him is if they get a substantial return. You got to remember the Titans effectively chose to pay Derrick Henry on a team that chose not to pay AJ Brown. Like they fully believe that Derrick Henry that means a lot for their ability to win football games. I, I would push back on their belief, but that's very much what they believe. So unless a team offers something commensurate with their perception of his value, I think it's going to remain in Tennessee. And if a team does offer something that gets them to move in, I would expect that that team would maximize their investment by giving him the ball a billion freaking times. So I don't have that many concerns about Derrick Henry's volume for as long as he's healthy. I think he's going to get fed. I think he's probably going to produce a bunch of fantasy points. He's at an age now where like we are fully without any ability to reasonably project 
a floor on his abilities. Like the bottom could fall out at any moment, but I'm at the point with Henry where you usually don't have to trade a first round pick anymore. And if you can get Henry for either like really late confirmed late, not like, I think my team's good. So it'll be a late 24 first. No, like it's actually the 112. If you can get him for like very late first round value or preferably players that we think are very unlikely to produce meaningful fantasy production or early seconds. Like I'm, I'm all about one final ride um, on the big dog. I think he's probably one of your cheapest pathways to a guy who has pretty reasonable 18 to 20 point per game upside this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. This is the one where I have like zero concerns whatsoever about the type of workload he's going to get. Either he's with the Titans and he does something similar to what he's been doing for years, or any team that trades for him is going to trade for him to use him as Derrick Henry. You don't trade for Derrick Henry to not use him as such. Uh, Skyler, what do we think? Derrick Henry feels like the guy that the community's just overthought for what feels like three years now. You know, Derrick Henry, when he's out there, he's got the exact points breaking outside the Jake I mentioned for one year. And you're talking what 201? Like, look at what you got 201 last year, right? People taking shots on players like David Bell in that territory, Trey McBride. You're telling me that those types of shots, right? Potential committee backs this year, 170 pound wide receivers, or you can get one final ride with Derek Henry who could walk yourself to a championship, which pays for your next three years of league dues. I think we're overthinking it with Derek Henry. Uh, the floor being able to fall at any point is just banked in. It's banked into the cost that you're going to acquire Derrick Henry at. Um, I mean, you could have some concerns with the team, right? That with the direction they're going, they could either try to piece it together and compete for more year or it could really fall apart. But, you know, Vrabel and the systems he come from, I'd have to expect that they intend to compete. They have picks 11, 42, 7, 41, 72 in this upcoming class. Pick 11 will be really interesting. So we got Atlanta at 8, Chicago at 9, Tennessee at 11. And I think all three teams have glaringly similar needs when it comes to an offensive lineman, in particular a left tackle, and a wide receiver. And all three of them could shock the world and take B. John Robinson. I think that's, you know, in the range of outcomes. So it is really interesting off to see what Atlanta does, of course, how Chicago follows suit. I would think Tennessee, regardless, is just they got to be looking to chalk in left tackle. I mean, they've got Taylor Lewan out of the door. Nate Davis going to Chicago, Ben Jones, their center is a free agent. Effectively, the entire culture they built their team identity through in the offensive line room is gone. They have to rebuild that thing from the ground up. So I would think that they'd go offensive line at 11 and 41 with their receiving core. That's where we might look at some awesome players. I think taking a running back to come sit behind, you know, Derek Henry for a year, a la him to DeMarco Murray doesn't feel like the move that makes a whole lot of sense for the team, although it could happen. So with, with those factors, I'm reading it. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in sitting here still with Derek Henry. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I think I, they I'm not like drafting Bijan if they trade Derek Henry. I don't envision them. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't envision them Derek Henrying Bijan with Henry <laughs> being a DeMarco. That would seem a little, I mean, and, it'd be you know, poetic. With, <laughs> with, with Derrick Henry, I mean, you're taking him in a range of your draft where we're looking at, you know, Deontay Johnson, Christian Kirk. Like, I'll ask you guys, would you rather have Derrick Henry or Calvin Ridley? I'd rather have Calvin Henry. Ridley. Ooh. Okay. Let's see. I, I, mean, I, I want Calvin. I'd like to have Calvin Ridley on like every one of my teams, though. Ask me, guys. It's just an interesting question because that's one right yeah. in the spot where I think just, a lot of teams make that direct swap. 
I think that's one where you go. If you, you want that one last ride on Henry, I think you're getting it done moving Calvin Ridley and vice versa. I think managers are just looking to get out on Derrick Henry last year, the going rate. I mean, give me any first, any first and I'm out. Uh, I think, you know, similarly with, with Ridley, that's a swap that makes sense. Now, Jacob, you said you'd be willing to send, you know, the late first for Derrick Henry. So does that mean you're, you're, you're sending a first for Calvin Ridley? Oh yeah, I would I would pay a higher first for Ridley than Henry. I I would send, like I think it's a ten. Well, I would say there's nine guys that I feel quite comfortable with this in this class, and mm-hmm. it used to be ten, but I'm not sure what kind of draft capital Will Levis is going to get anymore. But if he actually does go in the top fifteen, then I think it stretches to ten. Like I would absolutely take Derrick Henry over Flowers and Downs and Hyatt, and and certainly over. So I'm probably stretching out to one eleven for Henry. I. To be entirely honest, I, I would consider even up to one eight one nine on Ridley. Like I'm not super yeah. convinced that I'd rather have Quentin Johnston than Calvin Ridley. I'm not terribly far behind you. I'm just not quite that high yet. I don't think it's crazy by any means, but it's 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 strong to me. I dig it though. We I think I, I, I'm pretty sure in that startup we did together, I drafted Calvin Ridley. I, I drafted Calvin I'm, Ridley. I'm pretty positive. That you did, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think you, uh, you drafted him uh, fairly early from what I remember. Uh, early enough that I was like, oh, I'm taking notice of this. Like, okay, that's a strong stance. Yeah, I, I drafted him at the 6-7 turn, I believe. I think it was him and Najee Harris I got at the same turn. But I'm, I'm almost <laughs> certain that I actually took Ridley first. I can't remember. Well, speaking of Najee Harris, I wanted to do a quick this or that with Derrick Henry. So Najee or Derrick Henry? Najee. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. So that one's interesting. Like, I think you could make... I think if I viewed J.K. Dobbins as a player, the way that like everybody else views J.K. Dobbins as a player <laughs> in this industry, then I would say Henry because like I'm all about like trying to change these guys. I don't think actually has that much of a ceiling. I, I just happen to really be pretty Dobbins optimistic in terms of like what his actual ceiling is as a player mm-hmm. versus what we've seen so far in this limited sample. So I'm going to say Dobbins, um, which is bad because I'm advocating buying Henry and I picked against Henry in every single one of these. But you keep. Well, I don't like Najee Harris, but he just has a way higher ADP than Henry. Um, Dobbins is a player that I, I just, Dobbins and Ridley are both players that I'm actively trying to acquire, which is unfortunate that you, you named them. Dobbins still has a little bit of that like mystery box to him where like we haven't really actually seen what, what he could be in the NFL yet, we don't think, you know, because of the injury. Yeah. I think the thing with Dobbins is I think that people have, I think people have like put him in this bucket of guys that don't have any pass game upside. And I, I'm, I'm not going to say that he for sure does, but I'm just not quite willing to write that off entirely. Like he, yeah. he didn't have a great passing game profile coming out of Ohio state, but his route diversity was pretty impressive. And he had, wasn't used a lot in the passing game, but when he was used, he was using creative ways and he was used at a relatively yeah. high a dot for a college running back. Um, I think he has the skill set required to be a decent pass game option. And he didn't do it as a rookie, which is fine. Running backs with his type of passing game profile as prospects are usually guys who aren't involved in the passing game immediately. It's usually year two, year three growth. We didn't get a yeah. chance to see that. He also plays with Lamar and Greg Roman, who don't throw to running backs. <laughs> Roman's not there anymore. We don't even know if Lamar is going to be there anymore. Yeah. So I I just think like it's not actually inconceivable to me that that this like he doesn't catch any passes upside limitation is is no longer present this year. So I, I'm pretty optimistic about Dobbins. I, I think I, I have more of a light on for his ceiling than most. And I, I don't even think it's a question of whether or not he's a fantastic runner. I think it's purely a question yeah. of health. I think when, when healthy Dobbins yeah. is a, is a truly difference making runner of the football. Yeah. W- one last one, someone who we, we've seen that target upside, Ramondre Stevenson or Derek Henry. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's, 
Ramondre is my dude. I'm I'm rolling with Ramondre for sure. Yeah. Uh, Skylar, do you have answers for those? Um, I'll just disagree on J.K. Dobbins, but that's that's fine. I think it's pretty close. Like it's yeah. You're re-rolling. It depends on team build because I think in a lot of directions you have more ways out with Dobbins in the future than you do mm-hmm. Derrick Henry. So I'm fine from a market standpoint making that trade, like taking Dobbins over Derrick Henry. It's just if we are talking like personal preference, I'll lean Henry. But yeah. it's it's a pretty open tier. And like I yeah. wouldn't trade J.K. Dobbins for Derrick Henry, but I wouldn't trade Derrick Henry for J.K. Dobbins. Like if to ins- I prefer Derrick Henry, but if I'm making that swap, I'd probably want a little something to incentivize it. I don't think the gap is significant. Yeah. Dobbins is so interesting because I feel like in your league, like nine out of 12 people are pretty – Dobbins pessimistic, but the whatever guy mm-hmm. has Dobbins in your league is like always chief executive officer of the Dobbins yeah. Caesar Society. Dobbins is already on the roster anything. of the person who wants him the most. Pretty, <laughs> yeah. We're pretty positive. Like I've been trying to trade for Dobbins this offseason, and it's like it's like whatever his like value is in like an aggregated ranking that like equally displays everybody's opinions. I'm above that, but I'm like never willing to meet the value of the Dobbins <laughs> owner. Like the Dobbins yeah. owner has always got the full on diamond hands. So it's always yeah. Of yeah, the I, know that, I know at pick 22, like people are hoping Baltimore, or not hoping, but think it's, you know, it's per, certainly a possibility the Ravens take a wide receiver. Let's just say they don't. I mean, they got pick 86, right. pick 124, given the injury history of Dobbins, Edwards, Hill. It With yeah. a new OC, it also just wouldn't shock me if pick 86 in particular was used on a back that I kind of like, and that would really hurt J.K. Dobbins in my eyes. I think that's where my main reservations come on J.K. Dobbins. It's not a talent thing. It's just um, expected workload in the past. Of course, new OC, it could change. But now we have the ambiguity of a potential back coming in to affect that role. And that's where I'm waiting. If you give me this exact backfield in a month, I, I might answer differently. Yeah, this is interesting. So that's why I've not been like quite as forceful about banging down the door of the Dobbins owners I agree that I think that they're pretty likely to take it back day two or day or early day three. Three, be pick one twenty four is a good spot too. Right. I just don't actually care that much. I, if they drafted like Bijan at pick twenty two, I obviously really care. Sure. But I'm not that afraid <laughs> of a of a round three or round two running back with Dobbins. I, I guess where I because I, I think with Dobbins, like, why would they draft a running back? Well, he's going into into year four, and they have a lot of questions about his health. And I think that's warranted. But to me, those are like floor concerns. Like I, I think they could draft a decent enough running back in round three. But I think if Dobbins shows up healthy and he's Dobbins, then I think that that guy's a Gatorade fetcher. So I, I guess like I would love to buy into the ambiguity of if they draft somebody in round three that people like, I would love to bet on Dobbins in that situation. Um, whereas like I think I would probably have a harder time being able to actively trade for Dobbins if he looks like he has this presumptive role. Cause I, I don't know that that would actually be a, as much of a limitation on his ceiling as it would be a hedge against his floor. Yeah. yeah I feel I'm like just... if they, if they draft someone, the person they're drafting isn't taking away something he isn't already doing. Like they, if they, they might draft someone who could, you know, uh, spell him in certain ways that he, he doesn't already do like these, they're not drafting someone to take away his one or first and second down role. We'll, we'll see. I mean, there's like, again, with the way this class goes, it depends how they grade these guys out. I mean, we love a guy like Israel Bonaconda. I mean, if he landed in Baltimore, I'll just use him as a name. Like, it, I would have some concerns long term because with how strapped they are for cash, how they've been holding out to try to be able to see if they can match any offer that comes for Lamar right. Jackson that's capped them from being able to sign any receivers, any additions on defense. They lost some veterans in the locker room. 
I don't know how incentivized they're going to be to pay J.K. Dobbins, who seems like a very confident guy, the kind of money he likes. Unless he comes out and gives us like a Josh Jacobs farewell season, which is in the range of outcomes. Like I don't, I'm yeah. not going to go against the J.K. lovers because we could be bringing Jacob back on a year from now, and J.K. Dobbins could be coming off an RB one season. So, but isn't isn't Baltimore like a horrible spot for him? Like, wouldn't that be the best case scenario if he goes literally anywhere else? For who? Like, is he? like the last like isn't the whole problem with Dobbins that he plays for the Ravens? Like oh, I yeah. feel like yeah. him not I don't him think always I signing with the Ravens is like the dream, right? Like I feel like that's <laughs> like 32 of 32 for landing spots for a running back. Yeah, potentially. Well, we'll see. Like it's this the team that throws to running backs the least, and as a quarterback who takes goal line carries and is historically utilized committees. Like I if I, I'm not sure that there's any team in the NFL that J.K. Dobbins could go to that I wouldn't prefer him on. So like I'm, I would like anything that indicates to me that he won't be re-signed by Baltimore to me is like a very positive indicator. <laughs> okay. In, unless that all changes this year with the new OC and we'll it could, see what it could change this Jackson. year. That would be great. But like the Baltimore offense that he's been in so far has been like, yeah, actively detrimental. Yeah. To, to run. He, he was good as a rookie because he was like uber efficient. Okay. <laughs> that was great <laughs> jacob thank you very much guy on. We got yeah I, I, i'm on. glad i'm happy because i thought it was good jk dobbins conversation so I'm, I'm glad we did four running backs today actually uh jacob thank you very much for coming on and joining us but before we get out of here is there anything you'd like to promote uh yeah there's nothing a ton on the last couple of weeks of thinking about thinking because i've been getting crushed by law school but um i should have something on hopefully this week but um if people want to check out the back catalog um, I had reaction posts to almost every major running back signing, including Jamal Williams, Miles Sanders, uh, Deontay Foreman, David Montgomery, I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but um, had posts breaking down those backfields in depth, what I would be willing to acquire them for in Dynasty, how I see them working out from both NFL and, and a fantasy perspective. And then I also have uh, the first two components of my Market Principles of Dynasty series um, up on the site. So make sure to check that out. I think uh, there's about half the posts right now are fully accessible, free of the paywall, and then the other half are, are behind it. So check that out, and you can do a free trial. That's Jacob Sanderson at uh, .substack.com. It's called Thinking About Thinking. It's also pinned to my Twitter, so pretty easy for people to find it. Yes, I, I definitely suggest everyone go out there and check that out. As for us, we've recently launched our Patreon. You'll be able to find the link to that Patreon in the description if you'd like to come help support us. We're also sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. If you're watching, you've seen the logo, if I can point the right direction, over up above Skylar. You can sign up to Underdog with code JWB for a first-time deposit match up to $100. You can find all of our content at JWBFantasyFootball.com or on Twitter at JWB underscore FF. You can find Skylar on Twitter at the FF Buffalo. You can find me on Twitter at YB underscore FF. While you're here, like, subscribe, follow. We'll see you next time.